Okay, fantastic. We're going to have a good time over the next hour, and I'm sure each of y'all have questions in your mind that you want to get answered. Hopefully, I'll answer them for you. First of all, before we start, I want you to understand that I'm not your normal veterinarian. I am a, a BVM, but I kind of beat to a different drum. I used to practice conventional medicine. In fact, I had a couple clinics. I had four veterinarians that worked with me. Uh, made my living with the traditional way that your vet does now. You know, spending time on the road, visiting farms. We also did small animal. Um, but at one time in my life, I was so negative about anything natural that it's hard to believe that I am where I am today. Um, you might be the same way now. I don't know. But I hope if, if I say some things that, that you disagree with, I hope it's okay to disagree. Is that all right? Fair enough? Because I'm going to give you what's worked for me for a long time now. In 93, I sold my veterinary clinic. 92, actually, I sold both my veterinary clinics. And I've been going down a more natural path ever since. You know, when I sold my clinics, I kind of had time to step back from that rat race of making a living of giving vaccinations and dewormers and everything else that went along with regular practice to maybe see if there was a, a better way of health care. Uh, at one time, like I say, I was so natural, uh, unnatural, so conventional, so brainwashed from vet school that um, I was extremely negative about anything that, that um, had a nutritional or natural approach. In fact, I remember a client bringing me a book one time just asked me to evaluate this simple book, and I looked at the title, and it was called Natural Health Care for Dogs. And a good client now, too, to say the least. And I flipped through just like that, and I tossed the book back at her, and I said, this guy's a quack. That's where I came from, okay? About 10 years later, that was in 1984, about 10 years later, in 1985, I had seen some benefits that, that, that natural substances had how, how they help people, you know, um, actually capsules that included a grapeseed mixture and some other things and how much it had helped people in their health. So my mind was a little bit open. Again, I wasn't in that rat race. And I was flipping through a veterinary journal and I saw this course on veterinary homeopathy. And I didn't even know what it was. I thought it was just herbs. I didn't know that it was a whole science of healing like I know now. But what I did see when I was flipping through that veterinary journal was the same guy that I had called a quack that had written that book was the same guy that was teaching this course on veterinary homeopathy. I signed up for the course. Thank goodness I took, my mindset had changed so much uh, in the meantime, but thank goodness I took my wife to that course as well because she's a veterinary microbiologist. If I hadn't taken her, I'd probably be divorced today because it both opened up her eyes to the fact that I didn't heal anything that there was other ways out there besides drugs and chemicals. You know, I didn't heal anything. I might change things around and, you know, make things a little better, but, you know, healing is either from within or above. That's what hit me right between the eyes during that course. It totally changed my life. His name is Dr. Fit Karen, and I truly give him the credit for me being here where I am today. So read his book if you can. It's awesome. Um, but anyway, since then, I had, I had to start practicing again. Once I, This was a big course, folks. I spent thousands of dollars for it. I took it, you know, it just opened my eyes. Then I started doing everything I could natural-wise, taking every course that, or following any veterinarian, anybody that had anything to offer from animal chiropractic to acupuncture to you name it. And next thing I knew, I had to practice again because I had something that I felt was better than what I had before. I started practicing, then I, then I realized I didn't have everything I needed to practice. I needed a natural fly spray, I needed a natural bug, uh, a natural dewormer. One thing led to the next, and then, then we wound up with a whole line of supplements solving problems in a natural way, and now our company's called The Natural Horse Pet, and we have all kinds of supplements for horses. Then it wound up with supplements for people, or for pets next, and then the people, because their horses and pets benefited, they wanted products for themselves, and now we have products for all. And it's been a phenomenal trip, and I'm so glad to be here with you at this, at this conference today, because we're going to have some fun talking about these fat, overweight, crusty necks, but I just wanted to hear, wanted you to hear where I came from, because it's a little bit different as far as treating these. Before we get started, how many have a fat, overweight, crusty neck horse? All right, bunches of you. It's a huge problem. It's a tremendous problem today. Why is it a problem today when maybe it wasn't a problem 10 years ago? 
it's, it wasn't you know, 10, 20 years ago when I was practicing, you know, conventional medicine. I didn't see these fat, overweight, crusty neck, metabolic, insulin-resistant, laminitic horses. You know, we would occasionally see a case of founder where they broke into the feed room, ate a bunch of corn, ate a bunch of feed, then they found her or they colic or whatever. But we just didn't see these fat, overweight, crusty neck horses like we do now. Some of y'all that have been around a little longer, do you agree with me? I, so what have we done to our horses today? What has made these horses more prone to this kind of stuff? These are the kind of questions I've asked myself over the years. You know, what have we done to our horses today to make them this way, to make them have allergies? I spoke about allergies this morning. I can't, I can't tell you how many horses have allergies today. It's unbelievable how many horses. What about EPM? The possum fever, you know, you all know what that is? Devastating disease in our horses. Why after millions of years of the possum and the horse commingling together, living together, you know, basically, if you think about it, possums have always been around grain and feeding the horses. Why in the last 20 years do we have a disease that's caused by possum manure? These are the questions I ask myself. You know, what have we done to them? Well, most of us have been such good horse owners that we've made our horses sick. And I was a part of it. You know, we've over-vaccinated, we over-deworm, we, we treat them like kids and they're supposed to be horses. Actually, we treat them better than our kids. So my wife, her, her goal to retire is a, you know, we've got a nice big house and actually what she wants to retire with is a six-stall house. You know, where we can bring the horses in, bring the six horses out of the 250 horses that we now have into the house. We have, can you believe that? We have 250 horses. Now, let me tell you how we do They're mountain horses. We justify it by every batch of product that we make. We taste test. Um, also, we do all our own t uh, testing on our own horses, which is cool. But, uh, and, of course, that way I can write it all off. <laughs> but they do hate me, I promise you. That's what's going to be the worst audit you can ever imagine. But anyway, uh, life is grand, and uh, we're going to get your horses better than over this fat, overweight, crusty neck situation because it is devastating. When you have, you know, all that does is lead to, to potential laminitis or to Cushing. So what are the what are the, the treatments for these things conventionally? They're terrible. I mean, with Cushing, you have a horse with hair that long, you have a horse that can barely walk, you have a horse that's either fat or underweight because of the Cushing's, either one. And then with these insulin-resistant horses, you got a neck that's this big from a crusty neck, you got fat palms, you got bulgy eyes up top, you got all these problems, and it's just a nightmare. That the, the way you treat them is with, you know, they treat them with drugs and high-fat diets and this, that, and the other, but there's some basic things that I want you to understand that's going to help you treat those without spending a whole lot of money. That's important, too, this day and time with the economy the way it is, and we're going to do it with basic nutrition, just some common things on nutrition that you can fix your horse with. The first thing we've got to look at when it comes to these fat, overweight, crusty neck horses is what you're feeding them. Now, what's the first thing you do if you have a fat, overweight, crusty neck horse, usually? Someone tell me. You cut up the cut down on the grain, right? You don't feed them as much. Would you would y'all agree with me on that? If you have an uh, overweight horse, the first thing most people generally do is cut down on the grain. What if I told you that's part of the problem? It is. And here's why. If you're feeding a conventional food, you need to go home and you need to look at the bag. And in the, on the bag, it's going to say how much your horse needs every day. Some of y'all maybe heard this before, but it's real important that you hear it again and that it gets in up here because look at the bag and see how much you're supposed to be feeding your horse. If it says your horse that weighs a 1,000 pounds needs 5 pounds a day, then unless you're giving your horse 5 pounds a day of that commercial product, he's not getting the vitamins, minerals, enzymes, probiotics, whatever, whatever that was added to that grain mix, whatever it is. Does that make sense? Okay, because that's how they, they have to have something to go by. So they say if a thousand pound horse eats five pounds a day or ten pounds, whatever the bag says, it might say two pounds. If they eat this, they're going to get all this extra stuff that we add to that feed. If your horse is an easy keeper, you let's say you're just giving him one pound a day. 
Can you see that he's getting one-fifth of the vitamins, minerals, and enzymes and everything that was added to that feed? The problem with that is it negatively affects the metabolism even more so they become more of an easy keeper. Okay? So what I'm going to suggest to you may blow your mind as far as feed. There's some more problems with commercial feed that I want to go over with you, though, before I do that, before I tell you what the answer is there. Commercial feeds, first of all, especially for if you're on like a low-starch diet, okay, probably a lot of you are, guess what, or any commercial feed today has hydrogenated fat in it, especially your low-starch diets. They're full of hydrogenated fat. Does anyone know what hydrogenated fats do to people? They kill us. They make us fat. By the way, my beard, somebody said, you look like Santa Claus the other day. And I said, you mean my roly-poly belly makes you? <laughs> that was funny, I thought. Nothing laughed. Anyway. <laughs> but, you know, they make us fat. These overweight horses from getting these hydrogenated products make them fat. And they do so much more than that because... Every cell in the body is surrounded by fat. Every single cell. And when you give them these processed fats, like in commercial feed, it makes every cell in the body like a little plastic ball. So the nutrients can't get in and the junk can't get out. With these EPM horses, I think there's one step further. These, these organisms, obviously, they affect the nervous system. I think these EPM horses, just because it tends to come back, even if you treat them, I think it comes back because these microorganisms, these protozoans from the possum are gets trapped in the fat cells. It's trapped in the liver fat, it's trapped in the spinal cord, and so they're just laying there dormant for whenever there's another period of stress, they show their ugly head and they come back. Because it almost always comes back after treatment with drugs and so on. But these hydrogenated fats, they make every cell in the body like a plastic ball so the nutrients can't get in and the junk can't get out. It's incredible what they do. In fact, fats are so critical to a diet, you have to have good fat to burn fat. Hydrogenated fat is in these commercial feeds. It's the only thing that they can put in a feed that's stable enough, that doesn't start going rancid, that they can ship across the country in a hot feed truck. So the industry hasn't recognized it as a problem yet. And we're all suffering the consequences with fat overweight dressing neck horses. You know, and people, they have no choice. I mean, it's an epidemic in the people. It's an epidemic in our horses, too. But that's a big part of the problem is these processed fats and these feeds. The other thing right now to be aware of as far as commercial feeds is they use least cost analysis in fixing and preparing these foods. So as long as the protein, the carbs, and so on are correct, you know, they can put other ingredients in there. And with commodity prices the way they are, you know, that can be an issue. Because if they get a better buy on wheat versus this or, you know, barley versus this, they're going to change it. So every batch, even though it's the same bag, the same name, the same everything, may be a little bit different. Especially important if you have an allergy horse or if you're trying to control the diet of the horse. It's, it's not a good thing. So, com so can you see where just cutting back on the feed is not a good thing? Okay, what if you have one of those hard keeper cushion horses that's already in the advanced stages and you're giving him twice as much, 10 pounds a day instead of the five? He's getting twice as much of the vitamins, minerals, enzymes, and so on. That's an issue. The answer, the answer truly is very simple. You look at what Mother Nature does. I mean, what would a horse eat in the wild besides, what would a horse eat in the wild? Grass, grass, a lot of grass for sure, absolutely. What about uh, seed heads? Yeah, you say, well, why, where do they get fat in the wild? They get them from seed heads. You know, from if they're in an, in an area where they can have hundreds and thousands or thousands of acres or whatever, they could probably take care of themselves diet-wise, deworming-wise, everything else by selecting what they needed plant-wise or seed head-wise. But the closest thing that I've found in the wild to what a horse might need today is oats. Oats. That's what our granddaddy said. You know, it's what they used to feed. It is lower starch than any other grain. Why wouldn't you want to feed corn? Why wouldn't you want corn in your teeth? Corn has the same glycemic index as sugar. What I mean is a tablespoon of corn has the same effect on the body as a tablespoon of sugar. 
Now when you have a tablespoon of sugar for breakfast or a bowl of sugar for breakfast or give your horse a bowl of sweet feed for breakfast, what happens? It shoots that sugar straight up, just like it does when you eat a donut for breakfast. Okay? When you shoot that sugar straight up, you have insulin that's produced because that's what handles the sugar. If you keep having all that sugar for breakfast or during the day, the body becomes resistant to that insulin. It kind of like it gets used to it, so the body has to produce more and more and more just to handle the sugar. That's what we call insulin resistance. Does that make sense? Everybody understand that, okay? But what happens too after you have a sugar high? Well, don't you have a sugar low? Absolutely. Now, if you're working a regular job and you have a break about 10.30 in the morning, you usually go drink one of those high fructose corn syrup soft drinks to get the sugar back up again. But your body's starving to death. You get the sugar back up and you have another sugar high. But if your horse is starving to death, usually, you know, that might be a time of day when they're in training, you know, early in the 10, 11 o'clock. You know, how's, how's it? if you have a sugar low, you know how you feel. How will your horse feel when he has a sugar low? But worst of all, it kicks in, you have a sugar low, the body's starving to death, so it does everything it can to get the sugar back up again. It, it uses the adrenal glands to do that. So that leads to issues, to say the least, when you affect the adrenal glands constantly. So you have another sugar high, more insulin reduced, another sugar low, more problems with the adrenal gland. Sugar high, sugar low, sugar high, sugar day, all day long, every day. Can you see how that might wear the body out? Absolutely. So along comes some kind of stress, and then you have some major issue. You know, wherever the weak link in that horse is, a, foot, a hook problem, a gut problem, whatever. They're wore out just from living. Negatively affects the metabolism. You wear the adrenal glands out, you wear the thyroid out, just from the sugar high and the sugar low and sugar high and sugar low, or the lack of minerals and vitamins and so on from reducing the feed. This makes sense. Okay? It's simple, simple stuff if you really think about it. So oats instead of sweet feed, instead of corn, instead of beef pulp. I'm, I'm sorry if you feed beef pulp and you like it great, but I think it's the worst thing in the world. It's potentially full of sugar unless you soak it. It has uh, it's a root. They use a lot of pesticides on roots, you know, to grow beets. So the potential issue there, but also it's just fiber pretty much. It's less it's some bad stuff in it. Just fiber. Well, corn, I mean, it sucks the nutrition right out of the body. That's the problem. And if it's just the fiber, why not just give more hay? I just don't like beef pulp for these fat, overweight, crusty neck horses because you're contributing to them not having the vitamins, minerals, and enzymes that they need because you're just sucking it right out of the body. That's what... That's been my experience, to say the least, is to get them off the default, in my opinion. Get them on oats. But here's the thing about oats. Oats alone are not enough for these horses. Oats alone aren't enough for any horse. You have to supplement with the vitamins, minerals, enzymes. Because there are soils today that we grow our grains in are so deficient. You know, we've over-farmed, to say the least. Our soils have been, there's a federal, a national study, USDA study, way back in the 30s that talks about how deficient our soils were of vitamins and minerals way back then. Can you imagine how deficient they are now? Right now our soils are strictly full of fertilizer, which is nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus, two of which are deadly to a horse, potassium and nitrogen. You know, phosphorus can affect a lot of things too. The nitrogen and potassium, I'll talk about those in a minute. But all we're putting back on our fields today, whether we're growing our hay or whether we're growing grain, is nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus, pretty much. Unless, you know, you might add a little lime, which is fantastic. You can't overdo lime. It's the most healthy thing you can do for your field. But these 10, 10, 10 type fertilizers, 20, 10, 10, 5, 20, 20, whatever, they're nitrogen, potassium, phosphorus, and they're causing more harm than good. And they're literally making the plants nice and green, and they're making the plants grow so the farmers get more money for the hay or, or you know, more uh, poundage for whatever they're growing, but they're just full of water. Because that's the way they grow is these minerals, these two minerals, especially potassium, sucks the water up into the plant and it makes it grow. So you have a less nutritious grass or less nutritious grain. So you have, my point is, 
hay alone is not going to do it for these horses. Pasture alone is not going to do it for these overweight pasture neck horses because their soils are deficient and they're just full of fertilizer. What's the fertilizer? As a side note, then try to find something that's local, some type of, some type of local fertilizer. You know, uh, something mined from the ground maybe, a, a natural seabed, a natural something there in your area. Um, fish meal pretty good. Sometimes, now you got to worry about mercury and radiation from the ocean, so I'm not going to be eating anything from the ocean for a while, I don't think. The mercury we know has been there a long time. I don't know about radiation. But definitely there's mercury in every ocean in the world right now. That's why I don't like just regular sea salt. That's why I don't like um, kelp as much anymore. We still use a little kelp, but not a lot. So you've got to put the vitamins, minerals, and enzymes on the oats. But the beauty of it is if you've got an easy keeper, you give him that pound of oats or a handful or whatever. Then you put the supplement or vitamins, minerals, and enzymes right on it. So that way you know he's getting it. If you have the hard keeper that eats 10 pounds of oats, you put the supplements right on it so you know he's getting it. How much oats to give? Give whatever amount of feed you're giving now of regular feed. Just gradually convert it. If you're giving 2 pounds of regular feed, convert it to 2 pounds of oats. You know, take a couple days or so to do it. That's common sense. Uh, instead of just cold turkey, but even cold turkey, I haven't had any issues. The next question is crimps or whole oats? Uh, I personally think whole oats are wonderful. Crimps are great too. They're only 6% more efficient digestibility-wise. But once you crack any grain, once you crack the whole, crimp and rolling or whatever on any grain, it starts going rancid. It's a big problem with flax. I'm not fond on flax. Because once you grind it, once you put it in a bag, once you take it out of the field, it starts going rancid. And if it's rancid, it's no good. It's worse than nothing at all. Oats are very stable as a whole seed. Once you crack them, they start going rancid. So whole oats are fine. The next thing you've got to put on there besides the vitamins, minerals, and enzymes, and by the way, we have a supplement called Just Add Oats, but, by the time you, but in addition to the vitamins, minerals, and enzymes, you have to put a fat source because oats don't have enough fat either. And the fat source that we found, of course, you need your omega-3, 6, and 9, not just fish oil, not just omega-3, not just flax, which I don't recommend, but not, you know, be careful with the fat source that you need. Because I said everybody's surrounded, every cell surrounded by fat. The fat that we found is the best source, and you can actually regulate their weight with it even, is we found a crude, unrefined, unprocessed, GMO-free soybean oil works better than anything for us, and we've been using it for over a decade now with tremendous results. We, you know, if you have a hormonal problem with your horse, you need, you're probably missing good fats. If you have um, an underweight horse, instead of a couple ounces a day of the oil, you can give them four, four six, eight ounces a day, or, or a performance horse, you can give them more. If you have a, a horse that, that um, is overweight, two ounces a day, quarter of a cup a day will maintain their weight or help them lose weight if they need to. The point is you have to have good fat to burn fat. Okay, so you, you got the oats, you put the vitamin mineral supplement on there, you put the good fat on there, that's your diet. That's what you feed these horses that are fat, overweight, crusty neck. But there's one more thing that's missing, and we've touched on it a little bit, and that is we need to take the minerals one more level. The salt and minerals one more level. Because man doesn't know everything. Would, would you agree? Some, some others think we do. But we can make the best supplement in the world. We can have the best fat supplement in the world. And I promise you we're still missing something. And now there's some nutritionists. There's some professors in their ivory tower somewhere that will say they know everything. But they don't. Yeah, and let me tell you this. Let me tell you, I used to be that way. In fact, I used to do hair analysis on horses. I would take some of the mane, I'd send it into the lab, I'd get an analysis back on whatever they needed, and I would actually prepare a custom formula to fill those deficiencies. The problem is, I'd come back about a year later, and I'd do a hair analysis and they were fine, but I'd come back about a year later, and guess what? I would have picked the scale some other way, so something else was out. So I quit doing them. And I was very frustrated with minerals. I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong because I was doing what I could learn and what I 
what I knew was best as far as minerals, but the problem was I was tipping the scales some other way and probably still missing something, right? Can you bear with me? Can you agree with me on that? Probably missing something. But man, I started going everywhere trying to talk to everybody I could about minerals, and what I discovered was most of our minerals today are made from other industries' leftovers. Most of our minerals are other industries' leftovers. Selenium, for instance, selenite or selenate. If you look at your feedback, most of them have those two types of selenium. They're both waste products of copper mining. You look at the bag, what they come in, they got a big skull and crossbones on it. You know, it's a waste product. Calcium carbonate, for the most part, is a waste product. Not always, but other minerals are too. What I found was instead of waste products of other industries, why not look at Mother Nature's minerals? I actually found a professor at UK that really helped me a lot on this because he'd been he was he was so sure that minerals were deficient in our animals, regardless of the diet, regardless of salt or mineral blocks, that he'd been looking at it for a long, long time. In fact, remember this situation in Kentucky where they had all these all these babies dying, all the abortions and everything? Well, he will look you right in the eye today. You know, they discovered with their research that caterpillars was the problem. Remember that? Caterpillars were carrying an organism into the womb and in the eyes and causing all kinds of problems. Well, he will look you in the eye. And this guy is a, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a top pathologist in the UK. He will look you in the eye and he says that caterpillars has nothing to do with it. When I would take the salt and mineral blocks away from those farms that were having problems and replace it with free choice loose salt and minerals, they quit aborting. And he still goes by today. Still goes by. Horses cannot get what they need from any block of rock. And he'll tell you that. They can't lick fast enough to get what they need from any block of rock. I got it from him totally changed my thinking as far as minerals go. Started looking at natural sources of minerals. Found a desert source that used to be an ocean, so the pristine ancient seabed that based on what analysis I could look at literally had every mineral known to man thus far in it. Here's the beauty of it though. I said man doesn't know everything. I think it literally has other minerals maybe even other micronutrients that we haven't discovered yet because the difference it makes when you feed it free choice instead of a rock or block blows my mind. Unbelievable the difference. And I think the reason is this. It's more bioavailable because everything that was in that ocean way back when, not the oceans today, but the, I mean it's mined from the ground, an ancient seabed, everything that was in that ocean, the fish, the plankton, the diatoms, the, the seaweed, everything that was in there is still attached to those minerals. That's called chelation. You know, they try to do it with amino acids and so on now, but that's a natural form of chelation when you have minerals attached to vegetable material or to protein sources. More bioavailable, no question in my mind seeing the results. And the next thing is if you, instead of just putting it in a block that they can't get what they need anyway from, and it's often man-made, killed, rod, bleached, or whatever, you know, it's a natural source. Everything's in there. It's free choice, loose, so they can get what they need when they need it instead of licking themselves to death. Now, why do they need it so fast? Why can't they spend all day licking on a block getting what they need? Because their needs change hour to hour to hour. When the weather changes, the grass changes. When the grass changes, the, if the horse is grazing, let's say we go back... Let's say you have a horse that's grazing when the grass is trying to suck that water up in the plant. Remember I mentioned potassium? It's pulling that potassium up to bring the water up. If that potassium is high at that moment in time when a horse is grazing, a weather change, a front moving in or something, he's grazing at that moment in time when that potassium's high. If he can't get a big gulp of free choice loose salt and mineral to balance that potassium, it's catastrophic to a horse because the potassium changes the acidity in the gut just like that and as a result you can, with a rapid change of the gut in a horse, what do you have? Colic, potentially laminitis as a result of an endotoxic shock in the body, you name it. It's the single most healthy thing you can do for any horse, but especially these metabolic horses, is throw away the salt and mineral blocks, a rock of any kind, I don't care if it's from some mountaintop somewhere that's pink, throw it away because it's a rock and they can't get what they need from it fast enough for when they need it. It's so critical that if we have a front moving in, 
we we have a we found a source of mineral and so on, but uh, and that we have is called Red Cow. That's a product. It's so critical that if if the front's moving in, we go pasture to pasture to make sure there's some in each pasture, just because we don't want to have problems like we just talked about. You just put it in a bucket, make sure it's, you know about that much in a bucket. Rain doesn't hurt it. You just tip the bucket, the water you know, rolls off the top when you tip the bucket and makes like a sticky clay in the bottom that sticks to the bottom of the bucket if you only put about that much. Soft enough they can get a big gulp, but at the same time, even if they play with the bucket and dump it out, it's not going to, they're just not going to hurt it. The rain's not going to You just add a little fresh to it and never even wash the bucket. So for these fat, overweight, cresting necked horses, oats, Whatever amount, if you're not giving any grain at all now, then just a handful, just enough to get the supplements down. You just add oat supplement, you know, or a vitamin, mineral, enzyme supplement, that what man knows they need, a good fat source, not flax, in my opinion. You know, look at our product called Weight Check. If you have an underweight uh, horse, you can give more to put weight on. If you have an overweight, two ounces a day is usually enough. And free choice on the red cow or loose salt and mineral. That's the whole feeding program for these horses. Now we have one more step. Let's talk about hypothyroidism because that's a big part of these horses usually. Hypothyroidism, first of all, it's often overdiagnosed, over misdiagnosed. The test for hypothyroidism, which means a, a hypothyroid, a thyroid that's not functioning good, that's hypothyroidism. They're often very confusing. They're difficult to interpret. They're not very accurate. So there's a lot of cases of misdiagnosis with regards to hypothyroidism in people and in horses. It's not uncommon to put these overweight, stressy neck horses on thyroid medicine just based on the fact that they're fat. Frequently done. Here's the problem that I have with thyroid medicine. When you take over for the thyroid, like with most medications, when you take over for the thyroid by giving them a synthetic thyroid hormone, What's happening is the body says, well, this hormone's out here. I don't need to work anymore. So that literally you're shutting the thyroid down. It's called a negative feedback mechanism. The body says, well, I don't need it. It's there. Even though it's just a synthetic, it's there. I don't need to work anymore. So it shuts the thyroid down. So they tell you once you put them on these medicines, you've got to continue them. You've got to keep them, keep them on. Well, we've been able to get them off of them. And the way we do it is we provide the nutrients, and we've already talked about how to do it, provide the nutrients to really keep the thyroid functioning properly. You know, doesn't it make more sense to provide something to help the thyroid work better in the first place than to shut it down by giving it a synthetic hormone? And I promise you that a synthetic hormone, the body, the thyroid is responsible for all the metabolism in the body. So much more responsibilities than just what a synthetic hormone can produce. So we've got to keep this hormone functioning. Got to. So we've been able to come up with some, you know, the minerals and the natural source of minerals. I don't know. There might be something in the red cow that's doing it, but it makes a huge, huge difference when you get them on a natural source of minerals off that commercial feed, off the hydrogenated fats, which, by the way, are part of the thyroid problem too. But when you get them on a commercial, get them off the commercial and onto the others. You know, minerals. Just to kind of paint a picture for you. Here's the way I look at minerals. Minerals, you've got calcium that's a link in the chain. You've got magnesium that might be a magnesium log chain. You've got all these minerals. Each mineral is a link in the log chain, okay, in a chain. If you just have one little mineral that's missing, you've got a link missing, right? That chain's no good. That's the great thing about using Mother Nature's products instead of man's products. Everything's in there, as far as we know, and probably things we haven't discovered. So with the thyroid, um, we, we, if for those that are already have the cresting neck, we have um, a natural source of salt and mineral. We call it red cow plus magnesium. But the added magnesium to it, if you have a nervous horse, you need extra magnesium. If you have if you have trouble you have trouble sleeping at night, you might want a fire union product that has extra magnesium. And we have redox. It's called redox for people instead of red cow for horses. We have redox for people in a capsule form. The magnesium is great for these overweight, hypothyroid, insulin-resistant horses. And it's a lot of supplements out there, but we've just added extra magnesium to our natural source of salt and mineral. Awesome and, and important. Um, does that make sense?
You know, no one really knows why magnesium is effective on these horses. We really don't know. Um, even your real smart guys don't even know. I'm just a little guy, but the real smart guys, they don't even know. But it does help. There's no question about it. We do know that magnesium is involved in so many processes in the body and that it is important. So the high mag version of the red cow would be important for those. Okay. Um, that's pretty much it, folks, as far as how to treat these horses. You know, change your diet and they get better. Uh, we do have a, uh, a supplement that, that is, we call it critical care hypothyroid insulin resistant that re helps regulate that sugar a little better. And if you have a cresting neck horse, it'll actually help it go away in just a tub or two. It, it goes away fast, but the feeding program that we talked about is still the basis of treating these horses. The critical care actually will hasten it. You know, you can take that crest away in a neck or two with it, but I will say this, it's kind of a pricey product, and most of the time you don't need it unless you already have that crest in the neck. Um, okay, I'm open for questions. Yes, sir. Good question. That's a good We didn't even talk about forage. Thank you. Sometimes you get carried away here. You know, we talked about it with regards to fertilizer and so on and so forth. I think the big this question was what about restricting forage? You know, I mean, it just blows my mind to think that we have to put a muzzle on a horse. I don't think horses are made to be muzzled. But I think that goes back to the fertilizer in the fields. It goes back to the imbalance in the fields as far as the, you know, the minerals in the ground and so on. The plants are not as nutritious as they used to be because of the fertilizer. With regards to forage, I think you have to be reasonable. You know, if you have a horse that is fat, overweight, and cresty neck, and you go turn him out in this springtime pasture here, he's going to blow up like a balloon, and you're going to have a foundered horse without a doubt. Um, so in those cases, you know, if you have a horse that's on the edge, I think you need to definitely be aware of that and, and restrict that to some degree to start with, whether it's with a muzzle or whether it's with timed out in the, in the paddock. But if you'll get them on that feeding program, next year you won't have to. You know, you can still put them out. But be careful fertilizing your fields. I was talking to a veterinarian this morning who, who we spent quite a bit of time with, and, and um, you know, she, she liked what I said. She took everything home with her, but bottom line, she just fertilized her fields this spring the first time in a long time. So she has to be especially careful with her horses this spring. When you fertilize your fields, you know, your risk of that excess potassium in that grass, you know, you better darn well make sure you got free choice, loose salt and minerals, and hopefully ours, instead of some other industries leftovers out there that they can have access to all the time. That's why we put it in the field. That's why we have, have it out there. Any other questions? Thank you for that. Yes, sir. Now, when you're talking free choice, you just take a tub and Okay. Three or four pounds out there. The, the, when you say when you're talking free choice, you just take the tub and three or four pounds out there. Actually, no. All you do is just simply you can use a mineral feeder if you want to, but the best way is literally just to take a regular feed bucket, tie a hay string to it, tie it to a fence post, and put about that much of the red cow in it. You know, the free choice mineral in it. That way, it, it does. When it rains on it, you can still tip the bucket to dump the water off. It makes the clay like a sticky clay in the bottom that won't dump out even if they dump the bucket upside down. Just keep adding a little pressure. We put the bag, a 25-pound bag, on a feed cart and carry it with us all the time. Just put a little fresh in there every day, fill it up about that much again, and that's the way we do free choice. The key is all they can eat all the time. That's the key. Any yes, ma'am? Okay. The question is, what do you do about a horse that's primarily in a boarding facility? Excellent question, because you don't want to be feeding everybody else's horse. Usually a horse that's in a boarding facility, you can, they usually have some stall that they at least come in at night. Okay? And we would just hang an extra bucket in that stall, so at least when he comes in at night or gets put up at night, at least he has free access there. The other thing you can do, let me, let me back up. There's only two reasons that a horse wouldn't eat this product that we're talking about. One is that they have too much salt from somewhere else through maybe another block that's in the field, or too much salt in the diet, or too much in a hoof product. By the way, the hoof products are full of massive minerals. Uh, that's how they fill those deficiencies. 
but usually you tip the scales the other way even with those. You know, how hoof problems come back. We tend to keep feeding them, but usually you have some other hoof problem down the road or it comes back because we tip the scale another way, like we were doing with a hair analysis, you know, customizing the mix. With, with our hoof supplement, we actually use the natural source, the concentrated source of the natural minerals, not just massive amounts of this and that. But anyway, put a, hang a bucket in a stall, let them have free access to it that way. The other reason they wouldn't possibly eat the product besides other salt is too much potassium. Because potassium, remember that old potassium salt that we used to, that used to be available? Potassium can kind of trick the brain to think that you don't need salt. It, I mean, it's so similar to the sodium ion that it tells your body, I don't need it. So that would be the other reason, which, as you know, potassium can be deadly to a horse. So the bottom line is that if they don't eat it free choice, you need to put some on the food every day just to help balance that potassium issue. Yes, ma'am. Okay, you're not sure the horse has a cresting neck. How do you know? It's pretty prominent. You know, it's kind of like a stallion neck almost. You know, it's got that little bit of a bulge to it. It's a little bit wider. Has anyone ever seen a horse that was uh, that had foundered before and the neck just kind of flopped over? Oh, it's so ugly, isn't it? It's just awful. Well, that's kind of what it's like, except it's still upright. It's not flopped over. Just a big, fat neck. Big, fat. Yes, sir. Oh, sorry. Can you over-supplement even with the natural stuff your horses? Can you over-supplement even with the natural stuff? Sure. Absolutely. But we're real... The biggest concern, the biggest scare out there with supplementation is with too much selenium. That's where we get hung up on supplements. And, and um, the problem with that is if you're using the selenite or selenate like we talked about, I think we talked about it earlier, then that has way more toxic potential than organic selenium. We only use organic selenium in all our products. It has a much higher threshold of safety than regular selenium. In fact, you know, way up there, 100 times more uh, safe, in my opinion, or not in my opinion, than regular selenium. So, free choice, supplementation, the, this salt and mineral that we're talking about, it's not massive amounts of anything. You know, it's Mother Nature's product. You know, we added organic selenium to it. We added, you know, organic zinc to it. We got a few things like that. But it's still Mother Nature's product. And they're not going to get too much. They could eat the whole bag at one time. In fact, when you put it out, they're going to chow down on it, find the filler deficiencies. Um, have you ever been on a trail ride and have a horse just jerk the reins out of your hand almost to eat dirt? Yeah. I mean... Have you ever had a horse that eats that just chews at a salt block instead of licking it, you know, that's biting it off? Folks are looking for something. You know, they're missing something. And, and oftentimes with those, with the blocks, they'll overconsume what they don't need, trying to get what they do need, and what's it, what they need's not even in there because it's some man-made, kill-dried chemical or something. So uh, I've got to tell you a story on the dirt. I had a horse that, that uh, had a C-section. We took her to UT University of Tennessee for a cesarean. And while she was there, she had all kinds of complications. They usually don't go, go, go too good, I assure you. I bought half the veterinary wing at University of Tennessee, to say the least. She came home blind, bless her heart. She had an embolism from the fluids and not putting the school down or anything. It's a great school, but just wanted, she's an old mare anyway. My wife told me not to breed her. I still bred her, you know, still living that one down, trying to. But anyway, this mare, she's a wonderful mare. She came home. She wasn't doing well. She wasn't eating. She still had a belly wrap on. She'd even colic. They had to do colic surgery after the C-section. But anyway, I forgot about the minerals. When I went to pick her up, all she had was a little red salt block and a mineral block in the corner of the stall. I mean, it hit me right between the eyes. You idiot, you stupid thing, what's wrong with you? You know, that's your electrolytes, your, your minerals. It's minerals are salt and minerals, there's electrolytes. You don't even need other electrolytes. Um, but, I mean, there's no reason for me forgetting. But I forgot. I brought her home. She still wasn't doing good. You know, she wouldn't eat. She's just moping around. And before I could even get red cow in her stall, I said, well, maybe if I just let her have a little grass. So I let her outside, and she led me all over our yard until she found 
where she wanted to eat the dirt. And she started pulling up the, I thought she was just looking for the right grass. She was looking for the right dirt. She started pulling up chunks of dirt, spitting it out, and literally eating holes in the ground like that, eating the dirt that she needed. I actually got it with my phone on video. I couldn't believe it because that was in when I was in this learning stage as we're trying to figure this out. And that right there convinced me how much Mother Nature knows over what we know. Of course, I immediately put her on a red cow, and she started doing better. But, you know, the point that she led me around to find the dirt blew me away. So it's crucial, crucial to say the least. Yes, ma'am. All of a sudden, a horse eating trees. That brings me to this. On our website, we have an Ask Doctor. Well, we have a lot of websites. One of them is AskDrDan.com. That's A-S-K-D-R-D-A-N.com, where you can search. If you don't get your question answered here and you don't feel comfortable, you can search for keywords. And any time I've asked a question in the past, answered a question in the past, will come up. We've archived it. I've been doing this for years, so there's thousands of questions answered on there. We have an Ask the Vet click on our website where if you ever have a question, you just go to naturalhorsevet.com or askdrdan.com and just ask the question, and it comes in on my BlackBerry, and I answer it. But um, our website has a whole library section with videos, with audios. We're recording this today, so you can listen to this when you get home or tell a friend about it or whatever. So I try to archive everything so that when I'm dead and gone, somebody might be able to still have some information out there. But the question was, what about a horse eating trees? I think, without a doubt, the first thing you've got to do with these horses is provide a loose source of salt and mineral. And in almost all cases, that will take care of it. Will it take care of cribbing? Many times, yes. There's other things that can help with cribbing. Believe it or not, we have a product called Bug Check that helps with cribbing. It's loaded with grapeseed. Grapeseed is, we actually introduced that to the horse market, personally introduced to the horse market 13 years ago or so. Incredible product. That alone, and our Bug Check is loaded with it. That, that you feed it and keeps the flies and mosquitoes and ticks off the horses. That will help with cribbing as well sometimes. Not all the time. If I had a 100% answer, I'd be a gazillionaire today on cribbing. But it does greatly, greatly help. With regards to trees specifically, if that didn't do it, I would make sure that they get extra amino acids. I think that they're looking maybe for something to like tannic acid. Uh, and eating these trees is part of the bark. Tannic acid is a precursor to a specific amino acid called methionine. Methionine is, is an amino acid that many times is deficient. We do have it in almost all our supplements, so, so those alone, you know, that's many times addressed just with their supplements. All right. Yes, ma'am. The SPEED program, will it work with a horse that's been diagnosed with severe ulcer problem? It's, it's perfect for that, absolutely. I would take it one step further. We have products for support, added support. We have joint check, hoof check, health check, on and on. Preg check, hoof check, but in this case I would add gut check. It has all your enzymes, your lipase, amylase, protease, to help them break the food down even more to help with those ulcers. You know, it's not an ulcer treatment, but it's what I would add to it for sure. Thank you for asking that. Yes, ma'am. Too much of what? Oh, yeah. Well, that's somewhat true. Somewhat true. Omegas, that's actually, you got to be really careful if you just say that. Because if you truly look at the cascade of the inflammatory process, how inflammation comes about, omega-6 is actually also responsible for reducing inflammation. So you've got to have the right balance of omega fatty acids. Just to say that omega-6 causes inflammation is absolutely ridiculous because it also reduces inflammation. You have to have it. That I promise you. My daughter is in vet school, just educated me on that. Up one time down the other. Thank you, Mark. She's so sweet. Um, so, but the balance of omega so that's why fish oil alone isn't great for just people. I don't have the perfect answer there yet, but besides omega-3s, you have to have some omega-6. You have to have, 
you know, uh, omega-9, and there's others omegas. There's om not just any soil. Most of your, by the way, most of your soy oil, soybean oil, and if you're looking at soy on the internet, there's a big difference in soy and soybean oil. There's no, it's not the same thing. So don't think it's not good for horses or sheep. Soybean oil is perfect for horses as far as I'm concerned, omega-wise. But most of your oils, most of your soybean oil on the market is hydrogenated and processed and, and filter, all the goodies filtered out of it. You know, there's cheap soybean oil out there. That's why, because of natural vitamin E's and natural sterols and natural phospholipids, all the good stuff has been filtered out, sold somewhere else, so they sell you leftovers for a cheap price, but it's worse than nothing. So ours, for instance, is crude, unrefined, not filtered in other words, even GMO-free. It took me actually three years just to find the source of this GMO-free soybean because most soybeans are genetically modified seeds that they grow them from. I actually have a farmer going in the field you know, to, to, that grows it for me, that certifies it, you know, he makes sure for me that it's GMO-free seeds that he's using. You know, the jury's still out on genetically modified food. I think there is some potential for issues down there. Uh, I've seen a difference personally in, in, in GMO-free versus genetically modified. And by the way, corn that's in a lot of your commercial feed is genetically modified. You know, and legally we, we're not even supposed to, to say that, that something is not genetically modified. They won't live, we're, not, we're not even supposed to say that our oil is not hydrogenated. There are wonderful regulatory bodies in this country, which is a whole other subject. Yes? Sunflower seed is, is uh, with regards to omega-6, it's high in omega-6. I think it has more, it doesn't have what I like omega-6-wise. It does have too much omega-6 in my opinion. Flax has great omega-3, but again goes rancid easy, so I'm not fond of flax. And by the way, never, ever use flax that's ground, in my opinion. Because once you grind the grain of any kind, it starts going rancid. Folks, I got the flag for five minutes. My booth, I don't know the number, but if you see the, the row there with the clothes on it, if you go down that row, before you get the Cashman's, we're on the right. Please stop by and get a CD, get a magazine, get a DVD, sign up for our Natural Health Newsletter. We give, a, give away a vacation every year to our cabin at Big South Fork. You know, whatever you got to do, come by the booth and at least get some information to go home with, okay? Thank you all so much for having me. Thank you.